the first year we did about eight deals. Last year, I guess second year, we did about 40 deals. And now um, ideally we'd like to do about 80. And our goal mm -hmm. next year is to still continue to progress in the number of deals that we do, but to work less. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the House Swimming HQ podcast. This is Bill Allen and I've got a pretty interesting show for you guys today. Uh, interesting podcast that we're putting together. So I have one of our seven figure members on with me and they reached out to me. Actually, she reached out to me and said, hey, I want to get on this call with you. We want to ask some questions. I want to figure out um, where our company's going, really figure out how you got where you got, what you did, just really ask the questions that we've wanted answers to. And she, I, I said, okay, no problem. And she, she said, well, uh, now I, I, I need this. We need it right now. We are getting ready for the end of the quarter to prepare for the next year. So I said, well, what, I think it'd be kind of cool if we did it on the podcast where we can kind of turn the tables a little bit. You can interview me and ask me the questions uh, on the podcast. Cause there's probably a lot of people that have the same questions about their company, probably maybe a little bit different, but almost like an interview for me about, uh, I'm always the one asking the questions and other people are talking. So we kind of turn the tables today. So, um, I want to introduce you guys to a really good friend of mine. She's her and her brother are business partners. It is, they have had phenomenal growth over the past few years. They're members of our seven figure group. I remember when they just joined and they weren't sure if this was the right fit for them, if they, if they were kind of, uh, able to, you know, hit those kind of numbers and stuff. And just to watch them over the past few years has been amazing. So, and if you're going to Flip Hacking Live, you're also going to see them there. So, um, this is Kush Italia. So, hey, how are you doing, Kush? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for interviewing me. So, before we get started, why don't you talk a little bit about, just tell everybody who you are, a little bit about your company, what you guys do. Yeah. So, Kush and I, uh, my name's Kush. Uh, Kush is my brother. And, uh, we're from Los Angeles, but we're currently, the market that we're in is Tampa. Uh, we started in 2017. We did this remotely just to kind of see if it worked. Obviously it did, it has brought success to us. Um, we moved out here in 2018 and we've been doing it full time. We quit our jobs. Um, uh, my brother was an engineer, I was in finance business. Uh, we left great jobs to do this full time. Um, it was definitely a leap, but it was at that point where if we didn't do it, it would be a detriment to our business. Um, and so we're out here in Tampa. Um, last year we did about, the first year we did about eight deals. Last year, I guess second year, we did about 40 deals. And now um, ideally we'd like to do about 80. Uh, we had a couple of uh, interesting setbacks in our life uh, earlier this year. And also uh, my brother got married, uh, which was great. Um, but uh, hopefully we can still we can still hit that 80 deals. I mean we're we're kind of rolling right now. We had a great quarter, um, and we're hoping for another big quarter too. So, okay, so you guys did eight deals, and then you did 40 deals, and then this year you're trying to do 80 deals. 80, correct, correct. Okay, well I I don't really have anything to say. What what, what do you need from me? That's pretty awesome. There's probably people out here that's like she doesn't need help, right? I like, know. So well, what, like what do you want to get out? What what do you want to get from this? Like why? Why did you reach out to me and say, hey, you know, we need to talk. I want to figure out what you're doing. Like, what is it? You're, it sounds so, like you're doing awesome. So this is, this is year three for us. And, um, you know, just kind of looking at you, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we started Seven Figure Flip. I think it was October 2017 we joined. Um, and you were on stage that time. I'm not sure if you were a coach or not, but um, you had just, they had just kind of introduced you saying like, you know, Bill last year had done about, you know, 80 deals a year before he had done, you know, uh, two deals. And then now you're on your way to do over 120 deals. And, you know, we're, we're trying to strive for about 80 deals, but it's like consuming like every ounce of our time. And our goal mm -hmm. next year is to still continue to progress in the number of deals that we do, but to work less. That's the point, right? I think um, so that we're able to hopefully maybe, maybe expand into another market um, but overall just have a better life balance. Um, and, uh, 
you know, the point of why I called you was, you know, I saw the kind of growth that you had with your company and how you've hired people. And obviously now with Nate, you're pretty much, you know, you talk about really being hands off and, and hardly working in your business. And now you've taken over, um, you know, house, house flipping HQ and all the things that you're doing. And it's like, how does this guy find time? How does, you know, how, what have you done in the last five years? Cause that's like, the kind of growth you've had is insane, you know? And I know that you're also very money numbers driven as well, which is what we are. We really, you know, we're, we're not the kind of people that just like, all right, let's see how much money we make at the end of the year. No, we set goals. We want to make those, we want to hit those. And we, I've seen a lot of similarities of how you have grown and, and the kind of growth that we want to have, you know, um, we're considering a COO maybe next year. Um, we, and that would be like the latter half of next year, but it's something that prior to that, we definitely need to put in some more, you know, good people in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have a set of questions here that I kind of strum up because I feel like, you know, people either that are in our position that are doing about 50 plus deals a year, or even people that are just starting out. I think everyone has you know, they start out with a specific focus and then, you know, you kind of things get muddled in between, you get kind of stuck in the, the BS of all the day-to-day -day stuff. And I, I don't know, I, I find that you're like doing like 10 million things. I'm like, how does this guy have this kind of time to do everything, you know? Yeah. And I, th I think some of the things that we'll talk about, I'm sure you're going to ask me some things that will pertain to anybody. So if you're listening to this and you're going, I can't even, I can't even relate to 40 from 40 deals to 80 deals. They're going to be talking about really high level stuff. They're talking about COOs and other stuff. I don't understand. There's going to be lots of things that, uh, I think that we probably touch on that are going to help from a mindset, uh, a structure, a, that could, somebody who's just a one man show can get from literally here, hit on question three, four, and five with those. Three okay. Well, let's, hey, let's, so let's, let's, let's <laughs> just, mean, let's get rolling. You start, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it over to you and you can take over and just ask away. So that, that's exactly it. I think people starting a business think like, Oh my God, I need to figure out how to do this business. Yeah. That's probably year one year one part of year two. But then after that, if you really want that kind of growth, I think that you've had, you know, we're starting to realize a lot of it has to do with planning structure. Um, you know, just overall strategy, right? It's a strategy. It's like, who do you put in? Who do you take out? What do you do? How do you move stuff around? So starting with that, um, tell Bill, can you tell us a little bit about your goals that you've had from like when you first started your annual goals? Like, did you set annual goals? How did you plan? Like, what did you do every year? Yeah, I, I did. So my first goal in the beginning was, I remember when I joined seven figure flipping, I said to Andy, I want to flip 12 houses this year and make $30,000 a house. So while I kept flying for the military, I was going to retire from the Navy after 20 years. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to flip 12 houses. And it, it quickly became me realizing that and I told him I didn't want anybody, I didn't want anybody working for me. I wanted to just do it myself. I'm not, I don't want to be responsible for anybody. So in my mind, that's kind of how it was structured. And I've told the story a couple of times, but I'll tell it again. He looked at me and said, well, it's just really not possible. You're telling me you don't want to work that much in your company, but you also don't want to hire anybody. So who's going to do the work? What does it look like? It just doesn't work. This is what my business looks like. If it's something that is, sounds attractive to you, just think about that. You can't have one without the other. So think about which one you want to have. You're either going to be working really hard or you're going to get some support. And it, so it took me about a week and I said, you know what? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in here. I'm ready to hire some people. I'm ready to kind of build a company, a business. And that's, that is really what I want. Effectively. How long did it take from that conversation to when you decided to take action? Oh, uh, <laughs> like minutes. So that's, okay. it's one of the things that I do is uh, it's yeah. kind of very quick to act. Right. So, but while, during that time that I was taking action, I, I didn't put up a job ad for somebody right away. I mean, that wasn't minutes away. But me actually looking to see what does it mean to have somebody that works for you? Like I called my dad, actually. I leaned on my dad. He's, uh, he owned an engineering company that he built uh, from our basement. And I asked him a bunch of questions about what is it like to have somebody that works for you? Um, you know, how, how is that? Is it something that I, I like? Do you like, you like doing that? Because I've never had that before. It was, and it was scary to me, frankly. So... So, so it took a little bit of time for me to do a little bit of research. And while I was doing research, it was like, who would I have? What would I pay them? Those kind of things. And just kind of get that picture in my mind and then finally take that leap. But I mean, that's, that was your, that was like, 
that was like day one, year one, right? So what I quickly realized was um, I couldn't find that many properties. I was trying to go find them for, my, for myself. I was trying to find deals for me to flip. Just I wasn't getting, um, I got into this point, I realized where I was saying, I was complaining about people overpaying. They were outbidding me. And so I said, well, why don't I just become the source of the deal? And so, and then I can, I can lean on the people who are paying more than me. If I find something that I can flip, then I'll flip it. And I became this kind of marketing machine the first year. And we did almost 70 deals that first year. I think we did like 67 or 67 or 76, somewhere around there, somewhere right. around 70. And, um, and so what I realized quickly was I'm going to flip more than 12 houses. We're going to, I'm going to do way more than what I thought I, I should be doing. So my goals quickly changed. And at that first year, I can, I can very quickly answer this in year by year. The first year, it was about making money. It was about me making more money and trying to figure out what do I want to do with my, and really proving the concept, right? Make, say, I can do it. Like they can do it, I can do it. And actually realizing that I could. Once those first couple deals came in, I realized I can do this for sure. And it right. works. It's possible. So that first year was about making more money. Right. The second year I thought was about making more money, but it very quickly with, with, the, with the birth of our son, James, who needed open heart surgery, it was very quickly about more time with my family. Mm -hmm. And still that's kind of selfish thing for me. It was about me where I wanted more time. And so that second year was about building out the systems and the process and things like that. And then the, the third year, what I realized was it became more about my team. And it was more about the people that started working for me. So the thing that I was so afraid of that first year became the thing that drove me that third year. Like really, we had this Christmas party at the end of year two. And I just said, you know what? Like, I just look around the, the conference room every quarter. We get, we were virtual. So we get together every quarter, look around the conference room and say, this is like a, at that time, I, I thought of it like a family. It was like a family of people that I really care about. And I want to make sure that they're meeting their goals and they're exceeding their goals because it wasn't about money for me anymore. I was making really good money. And I had a little bit of time back because I was delegating a lot more that year too. And so now it became more about what can I do for my staff? Because my staff was saying, I want, I want more time. I want more money. I want to grow. I want to grow professionally and personally. So it became more about them. And that's what it is about now. I feel like it's about the impact that we make on others in, inside the business and outside the business. So that was kind of the like, stair step for me about money, about time and myself and my family. And now about the impact that I can make on other people and that's personal professional development that we can create inside of our company and let them become the master of what they do and really build them up and be a guide and a mentor to them. So that's, that's how it's changed for me over this. Those like, now I'm sure a lot of people want to know, cause I want to know, and I want to jump right into that question, but I won't, which is why I wrote the sequence of questions. I want to ask you what tasks you gave up in your business. But before I do that, I want to ask you how much time did you actually spend planning you know, planning your day, planning your week, planning your month, your quarter, how much time did you actually do planning? So in, in, in the beginning, I didn't do very much. I was, I was saying, I was doing a lot like what you're saying. I was just like closest alligator, yeah. to the boat, day just, to day, day to day, yeah. just, yep, just to survive. in the, in the thick of it, yeah. just trying to survive. And what I realized was I, I wasn't doing the highest level tasks I should be doing. Right. So, but, but the problem is, there's there, a lot of those things are required things like they have to get done. And when right. you're the only person in the, in the game, you're the one who has to do it. So what you've got to do is very quickly realize, do I want to hire somebody and elevate myself? So delegate and elevate, they say in this EOS. So we mm -hmm. operate off EOS, delegate and elevate and really delegate these tasks and elevate myself. Or do I just want to stay in the same loop that I'm in? Like that's the decision you have to make. Cause you have to, it costs money up front and there's a risk and there's, it's scary. And there's all these things to hire that person before they're needed. Like yeah. the problem is when you hire somebody after they're needed, your cup is completely full. You're sure. redlined, you're maxed out. And then you have to bring somebody on and train them. That, that, that workload yeah. even goes way up. Yeah. And so you have to take a couple steps back to take that step forward. So for me, in the beginning, there wasn't a lot of planning. I was just taking care of stuff. But then when I started hiring people, I realized I have to actually think about what this job description is. What, what are their tasks? How are they going to be measured? And what are they going to take from me? And I have to be very specific about what I'm doing and what they're going to be doing so that they know what their job role is. And then I know not to do the things that they're supposed to do and give them, give them the scope and the ability to execute on those tasks. And, um, and really think about what my what my job role is like what seat in the on the bus do I sit in 
And don't try to, don't try to micromanage and sit in everybody else's seat, like give them the scope and the ability to do what they do. And you hired them for a reason and they're really good at what they do. And so I would say now, like my job, depending on, you know, I, there's like two different companies that I spend most of my time, uh, most of my time in one of them is, is the Housewing HQ company, right? Okay. So, and that, that company is the one that I'm trying to fit. Now I'm in the same thick of it. I'm doing the day-to-day -day tasks right now. Like I am doing a lot of that stuff because we don't have the foundation built out and the, the team and the staff to be able to handle it. We have a lot of great people that do great things but we're still really small and just trying to figure out what the structure is and what I want it to look like is what I'm working on right now. So in my real estate company, the planning that I do, I do a ton of planning. That's all I do. Big picture thinking and planning and execution. The execution is on the team. The big picture planning and vision is on me. So what we, we just took two days. I took Thursday and Friday of last week off to do big picture planning inside the company so I, we have this huge event coming up, Flip Hacking Live. I have all of these things going on. I do not have time to take two days off. No, no way should I have taken two days off from the other company. But we, got, we locked ourselves in the room, me and my management staff of Blackjack Real Estate, the, the investment company. We spent two days working on our business instead of in it, all of us. We basically shut down the company for two days. I mean, that is big picture strategic planning. And we had some major breakthroughs. I finally created a seven-year, a three-year, and a one-year picture for my company that I absolutely love, that I can get behind, that I can feel really good at, yeah. good about. It's, it's just amazing what happened in those two days when if you don't do that stuff, you, you're not going to get to the places that you want to get to. Like you yeah. you got to sit down and create those goals and that vision. Otherwise, you're just kind of like, you're, you're like flying without a map. And I think that's what Kirsch and I are doing more and more weekends. Like I was telling you, you know, we planned a retreat, you know, a management retreat and really it's just me and him, but it's a weekend that we get to get away from our day-to-day -day life. Um, it is over Thanksgiving because uh, we're not flying home this, this time for Thanksgiving. Um, but we're literally for three days, that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this big level, this big picture planning, right? Um, I think like you mentioned, um, you have to delegate. And that's kind of what we had to do when we went for Kirsch's wedding. We just had to leave the two people that we had on our team in charge of everything. And everything was fine. I mean, yeah, we lost a couple of things here and there. But I mean, those are mistakes that, you know, anyone initially is going to make. And, you know, they're just never going to make that mistake again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but if you didn't have those two people in your yeah. company and you did what you did, Right. There would be no revenue coming in. It right. would, the business would be shut down. Right. It would be doors right. closed, work right. closed, sign up. And, and in this business, it takes a long time to ramp that back up again. It's not back like you stop for two weeks and then come back and it's immediate again. It's, Absolutely. When it's got, the consistency is so important in this business. We left in, in January, as you know, our dad passed away suddenly and we didn't have a salesperson. We had elite specialists and we had transactions. We were looking for sales we were looking for a salesperson. We had been interviewing, we had been hiring and firing and just kind of going through people and we had nobody and we left for two weeks and literally business stopped. It stopped. I mean, we even had to stop mail at some point because like no one was going on an appointment, you know? Yep. So, um, this time around mail continued. We had, and that was our one main focus was that we have to have a sales guy that is trained and can go on appointments. And that was our one goal before the wedding and we were able to achieve that. I mean, we wanted to hire, you know, additional help as well on the team, but you know, we found it's really hard to hire and train multiple people at the same time, maybe because we're still, you know, we were still in the day to day, but now that we've got at least a sales guy going on appointments for us, I mean, it's that in itself has freed up so much time for us, right. To be able to plan. And so, I mean, that's, I think you, you've pretty much nailed, I mean, what I wanted to know. And I, I feel like, um, I think the planning, like a lot of people going back to planning real quick, a lot of people get so wrapped up in like, I got to have all this stuff ready though in the beginning. So like you don't need to lock yourself. If, if you're just getting started, you don't need to lock yourself in a room right. for two days and come up with your seven year, three year, one year picture. You need to go get a deal. Okay. Right. You need to go get your first deal. You need to go get your second deal. And then you need to use that as kind of leverage to kind of jump in the beginning. My planning was 
I, I'm going to send out some mail and I need somebody to answer the phone. I'm flying all day. I can't answer the phone. And if I want somebody to answer live, I got to hire somebody to do it. So that was kind of my planning. And, and you got to take action in the beginning. You got to get rolling. Now, if you're operating a bigger company, especially in today's market where it's super competitive, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of other, other people out there. There's a lot of other options. There's a lot of things going on. The, the market is, it's really sellers can kind of, uh, dictate terms and things like that from time to time. And you've got to be operationally tight and you've got to really feel that you got your stuff dialed in because and so the planning becomes really important and how do you stand out from everybody else? So, um, so I think that's the kind of difference in, in my answer now and my answer back then, my answer yeah. back then would be, I uh, like, I would plan for me, I would only make sure that I'm trying to do money making tasks instead of right. just, just shooting from the hip and checking email all day. And I find a lot of people, they really just try to do the stuff that they like doing, not the stuff they have to do. Sure. So as a business think, owner, you got to get in the mud and do and the I things. I think what you said too, which is the delegate, elevate, or stay in the same loop. And I think, you know, we briefly spoke even for like, um, like five minutes earlier in the week. And I kind of asked you that question and you, you said the same thing, which is, look, I mean, if it means I'm going to lose money, but I'm going to make three times as much by the end of the year, because I've brought in the people I need to bring in, then it's worth it to me, you know? And I think, I think we think sometimes that we've got to be able to do both, like hire and keep our business going the exact same level. But sometimes it's really hard to do that, right? Like when we were trying to bring in a sales guy, we actually brought in two sales guys. Of course, one of them fell out, which is what we were expecting was going to happen. One of them stuck. And even though we, we lost a little bit of, of, you know, momentum, like trying to hire and train, like the fact that we were able to train him before we left allowed our business to continue to grow while we were not there. So just that alone, I mean, that kind of clicked in my head and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what we did with, with acquisitions, you know, that's what we had to do. Yeah. It's taking that step back to take a couple steps forward. Yeah. I mean, I've had to do it multiple times. Uh, and, and that story I told you was we had a couple months this year where we lost money because we right. had some people quit. We had some turnover and things like that. And we were getting our systems ramped up and our processes. And then now we're on, it's just month, 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 month. It's just right. great deals every month right. and consistent revenue. And we just had to, you know, fine tune things. Right. Perfect. Um, I mean, kind of leads me to my next question in terms of, you know, how did you initially, because I mean, obviously you were also flying, you had this business. How did you structure your day, your week? How would you structure it? And, and how deep were you into the day-to-day -day from, I guess, year one to year two? Like, how did you pull yourself away from that? Like, what did you, what tasks did you start kind of backing out of it? How quickly did that happen? Yeah. So in the beginning, I was, my, my, my day was structured where I would work in early in the morning until I had to go to work. So I'd work, I'd get up pretty early, like five 30 and I'd jump in my office till like seven, seven 30. My, my son would get up, my wife would get up and I spent, had breakfast with them. I'd go to work and fly all day. And then I'd come back and uh, I would have dinner with my family, put Will to bed, give him a bath, put him to bed. And then I would go in the office for like another two hours. So it's like two and two. And then I, I, I had a, I wasn't like locked in a basement somewhere so I could check my email and answer text messages and stuff like that. But, um, Didi was my administrative assistant then like the lead intake. She did a lot of the bookkeeping and things like that. So she knew that I wasn't available. And if she got a really hot appointment, she was just going to have to go on that appointment. So she was this kind of like catch all I can do everything. So, um, so in the beginning, it was, my days were like that. If the weather was really bad and I canceled my flights and I got all my work done, like it wasn't a very rigid 12 hour day. I had some flexibility in there. Um, but I mean, I was, I had a full-time job. So, um, and then as I pulled myself out of that full-time job and went in the reserves in the Navy, it was a lot easier. Uh, that was kind of when I got the business ramped up and then I could, I was working a full day, you know, 10, 12 hours, just like any right. other full-time business owner does. And, um, let's see, the other part of your question was kind of like, what did I give up and how fast did I do it? You had Didi, and Didi was there for how long before you hired your next hire and who was your next hire? Yeah. So I, so in the, I hired Didi from the start, like I built her into my budget, you know, my runway, that six month runway that I talk about all the time in my, my company. Right. So I built her in there, uh, her pay. And then she was with me probably for like, we, it was probably me and her for like two or three months, probably three months. Right. 
because we still hadn't done a deal. It might've been almost four months. We still hadn't put a deal under contract um, that, that, that we closed. And then my next person I hired right after that, it was a salesperson. What I realized was, it was acquisitions rep. What I realized was I, I can't get to the deals in time at a reasonable, we're, we're only going to see the really hot stuff that sounded really motivated on the phone um, because I was working 10 or 12 hours a day. And so it was weekends and it was occasionally I would schedule um, night flights and I would go out in the morning to go on the appointments or I would take a day off and try to run appointments on that day. So it didn't really fit the model of when the, when the client is ready, right? When the seller is ready for the appointment, then we'll schedule it. It was more like when we're ready. So I, it was, and we were, we were, you'd lose a lot of deals that way. You're probably not. Oh yeah. We we were screening like crazy too. We were really screening them out on the phone to say, I'm only going on deals that I know I can close. And I didn't really love it either. Like it wasn't the part of the job that I really loved. Like I would go on a Saturday and spend three hours in somebody's house that would throw me out and scream at me when I gave my offer. And I'm realizing that I got into this business to spend more time with my family, to have some freedom. And this is what I'm, I'm doing on a Saturday. It just seems to be counterproductive for where I'm trying to go. So, so the first year you said you had done two deals, right? So was that just you? Yeah, I flipped, I flipped one. No, no, that was before DD. That was before seven figure flipping. That was me on my own, trying to figure it out, reading books from the library, uh, going on free forums, listening to podcasts, just kind of figuring stuff out. I flipped one house a year uh, for the two years before that. And then I, ha- I bought like a rental each year. So I bought a rental and refinanced it out. So that was kind of what, what I knew in my structure. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all MLS deals. They were auctions. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, direct to seller marketing or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. That's all the stuff that I got from Andy. And then did you join seven figure at the end of that year? So yeah, at the end of that, um, so that, that year that I did one deal, um, that was, uh, October, November, December, something like that, where I was listening to the podcast and went, okay, I, I just, I need help. Like I was right. driving to the project, driving back from the project. I was doing it all. It right. was this guy's, you know, these guys are flipping 100 contracts, 200 contracts, houses without looking at them. I thought it was fake. Yeah. What the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, this isn't real. These guys are lying. Um, and so I started, kept listening, kept listening, started realizing these are just, I think I can do, I know I can do this. So, so that's when I joined and I hadn't done it. So then it took me four and a half months to get my first deal after that. It wasn't like it was immediate. I sent mail and, I started putting in the reps. And After you went into seven figure, you yeah. hired BD. That's yeah, correct. Did. Correct. I got on that call with Andy and Andy right. said, you need to hire somebody. And hire I said, someone. okay, so you're you right. Hired BD. Uh, she was basically the one that caught everything. And then you, you had her for about two to three months. You realized you can't do sales. You don't like the way it's going. So you got to bring someone in to help basically catch more than what you're able to catch. Yeah. And so I remember meeting, um, my first sales rep, her name was Eunice. I met her at a Denny's and we had a conversation about what I, what I was doing. I put an ad on Craigslist and, um, I got a couple resumes from people who had been in sales in the past and had a conversation with her and told her what I was doing and where I wanted to go and kind of my vision for the company. And, uh, she said, okay, let's go. And, um, what I realized when she came on was that, we were, we were screening a ton of people too heavy up front because she just went in the database and started setting her own appointments and going on appointments and, and she could negotiate better than me. And so she, uh, she got, she got a couple deals right there. So I had, uh, I had one deal in follow-up that I got from during my time there, uh, in those first three, three, probably like four months, three and a half, four months. So what I did with her was I took a week off of uh, work and then we set appointments all week that week and her and I went out on appointments and just kind of trained her in the field that week and then I let her go on her own. And honestly, during that week, she was giving me some tips and tricks and feedback on my appointments. So I would, I would run the appointment and I'd, then we go back to the car and say, how'd that go? Let's give some feedback. And we kind of just how did she last and how, and how did she do? I mean, obviously she was, she, she did great positive for you. Oh yeah. She did great. She was fantastic. She, um, she stayed with us for like two years probably until we, um, until we got to the point she was uh, with us when Nate came on. Um, so it was probably two years she was with the company and she just kind of, uh, had some family stuff, started growing out of the role. We were kind of growing in different directions and she wanted to do some different stuff. So she, she kind of reduced her workload for a while and then we just kind of went separate ways. So when you guys did that, those 67, 70 around those deals, that was her. That was her. That was her. her. Okay. 
Might have so been like two of those for me. Time, you stepped away from that. So what did you take over? And were you full time by that time? Or did you, um, were you still working? So it's funny, you know, I was, I was still, I was full time. Uh, I was flying full time that whole year, uh, the first two years. So what I find is you think once you give up one of these positions that your time is going to, you're going to get a lot of your time back. Right. But the problem is when you put really good people in the company. And so once you got somebody answering the phones and they're setting more appointments, now you're going to go on more appointments. And then, so what I did, so what I was still doing was I was still doing the transaction coordination. So dealing with the sellers and the buyers and the uh, title company, and I was doing the disposition. So I was selling all the contracts to our buyers and I was also raising all the money and I was managing the flips that we were doing and all that stuff. So what I found was I said, okay, well, Hey, Eunice came in, she's doing great. So she started getting a lot more contracts. So what did that do? It caused me, my transaction coordination administrative burden to go way up. Right. And my disposition's burden to go way up. So right. I, Andy, Andy told me one time, he's like, well, you got this cup, you got this cup of water, you can think of it. And so you bring in this other cup, right? So Didi was the other cup and you can empty your cup into her cup, right? And start filling her cup up. And so now she's got a half a cup full and you got a half a cup full, right? And then what happens is both of your cups start filling up. So then you got to bring in somebody else to empty your cup into. So I'd empty the acquisition cup into Eunice's cup. And now my cup is down at half. And then she starts doing a bunch of transactions and my transactions, it starts filling up my cup and the dispositions fills up my cup. So then I have to bring in the next person to kind of empty my cup into, and then it keeps filling up as yeah. time goes. So the next step, natural step for me was I love doing the business to business sales, talking to business owners, talking to flippers, talking to landlords, stuff like that, and really selling the contract. So I wasn't going to give that up. And so I hate the administrative side on the transactions and dealing with the title company. So that's why I hired somebody to do that. So that was the third yeah. person that came in to take over the transactions for me. Okay. And then, and then eventually How I hired. When did that person. happen? Year two, year one? When did that happen? So this was all the first year. So it was uh, Didi uh, doing, doing the phones. Then it was um, Eunice doing the acquisitions. And then we brought someone in to do transaction coordination. Okay. And that was, that was toward, that was probably like September of that first year, uh, mid, mid to two thirds through the year. And then I brought in Ryan Smith, who a lot of, you know, Ryan, he was on the podcast recently. He came in to do dispositions towards the end of the year. It was like November that first year to do dispositions. So that was the last thing that I gave up. And then I focused on kind of bigger relationships, being the integrator, running the company, running the management team. And, um, what about so, marketing? So who was doing marketing? At I the still, I still did marketing. Yeah. Kept marketing. I kept marketing for, uh, for almost forever. We just, we, I just let it go. When Nate came in, it took me a while for him to take over the marketing. And then we just hired a marketing, uh, chief marketing officer recently, Got it. like Got six it. months ago. Okay. Yeah. So basically in year one, you brought in all these four people. I mean, we're at what year two now, almost full time. And, and we're, we're slowly heading towards that third. And I mean, we have, we have that person that we had in the, tra the transactions role. I'm still doing dispositions. Kirsch is still doing marketing. I think we're going to keep those two, but I see very quickly the next step after we, we you know, rehire the lead specialist role because the one that's doing our lead specialist, she's been with us for a year now. We're going to move her back over to TC and have her handle sort of transactions and like dispo assistant basically because um, now we are getting more contracts and it is getting more of a burden because I'm, I'm doing more and more. Plus we're trying to hire and train and I'm still kind of working with sales and all that kind of stuff. So I'll say, I'll say the biggest issue that a lot of people have with hiring is they want to wait until they have like, Oh, we got to wait till we have way more money. We got to right. wait till we're, right. we're, we're ready for this. We, we, and then what happens is you, you stunt your growth. You stop your growth because you're afraid to hire ahead of yourself. Like yeah. people are really afraid. I, I, I'm not telling everybody who's listening to this podcast, who is a one man show or has two people to go hire six people. You saw, I hired one person, three months later, one person, three months later, one person, three months later, one person. I didn't go hire five people on day one because that would be irresponsible. So what I did was I found out, okay, where, where, where's the bottleneck? Like, where's the new bottleneck happening? What do I need? What am I doing? What is everybody else doing? If there was capacity on any of those other people, they could have potentially filled that void, but they didn't have capacity. Their cup was full too, right? Everybody's cup's full because they're doing what they do. And then we had to bring in a second lead manager. And then we had to start fortifying the business. And as we're growing, we're having to kind of build the foundation as we go. But right. don't afraid. Like I, I hired, I hired Eunice, the salesperson, the acquisitions rep, 
before we had even done a wholesale transaction. Hmm. So you, is, is that counterintuitive to what everybody else would have done? Yeah. But they I saw deals, they would have made some money by then it would have been like six months. You would have wasted that time. Maybe then you would have found a good, I mean, that's basically what we did. That yep. in a nutshell covers exactly what you said. Um, so yeah, don't, was, don't be scared. Bad. Don't be scared to get a little bit ahead of yourself. Like you've got to hire a little bit ahead of when you're ready and see where you're going. Like you got to have the vision to look ahead and look in the future of where you want to be. And if you guys want to get to 150 or 200 deals, you're not going to do it on the team that you have right now. It's yeah. just not going to happen. I mean, we're, we're, like I said, we're trying to hit 80 this year and we already know we're like two hires behind. So yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got two team members and we know we need to, we need to fill in with two more for sure. And there's probably a lot of people also that are listening to this going, well, I mean, why do they even want to do 80 deals or 200 deals or 150 deals? It just seems ridiculous. Why don't you just happy with what you're doing? And, you know, I think we covered that. Like I talked to Ryan Smith a little bit about that mindset of you know, why don't you just stop when enough's enough or how much money do you really need or any of those things? Like I make less money now than I did when I was on my own. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll tell it publicly on this podcast. I make less money in my company now over the past year and a half or so when Nate, since Nate came on than I did the years prior. But I t I'll tell you what, I spend two hours a week in that company and I get a paycheck every Friday. Right. And I feel really yeah. good about it. And I'm developing other people. Other people are reaching their financial and personal goals. We are helping the community. We're doing something incredible. The chair, I just went to a charity event this week. We, we raised money. We're trying to give a house away to, right now we're renovating a house to give away to a Gold Star family and 100% mortgage free. Like this is the kind of stuff that you have the ability to do when you have a company and a business that, that operates as a business. So for me, that was more important to me. Like I said, my journey initially was making money. So if that's where I wanted to be, then sure, I'll just sit back and make $500,000 a year and I'll sit there and I could just do that over and over. But every day, my people were coming to me saying, I want to do more. Yeah. Can we go into another market? Like we're, we're tapped out here. What else can we do? And to see other leaders, that look, and that, yeah, yeah just shut them down and say, nah, you know what? I'm the boss. I kind of really want to make a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, we're good enough. We, we've made enough. We'll just yeah. stay hang out here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got two team members and, and, you know, our sales guy has been now with us. He'll be hitting his three month mark and he's doing great. I mean, and he's so excited. He's like, I've never had more fun than I, than I'm having right now. Like this is, I know this is what I'm, what I was meant to do. Like, this is the direction I wanted to be in. Thank you guys so much. He's so grateful. He's, you know, he's, he's hustling, you know? And then the, the lady that we had since last year, um, Amber, she's been with us for about a year now. Um, she has two kids. She's a single mom. I mean, for her, I mean, you know, she does this obviously to support her family, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, she does it because she cares and she loves doing it too. You know, she has that passion. You can see she's excited every day. I mean, sometimes she'll remind us of things that we need to get done. Hey, by the way, I need this. Hey, I need that, you know, and that's the kind of person I want on our team that just kind of, you know, will, will help, you know, direct us and the other team members as we need to, to just get the job done, you know? So I just love that hustle. And I think for us, it's, it's about finding, other team members that will complement the the people that we have now and that will fit in well. And I think one of the things that you mentioned um, in Boston that we're going to definitely buy is that uh, the predictive index or. Oh, culture index. index. Yeah. 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 Because um, we've had a lot of issues hiring. I mean, that has really, really been the pitfall. I mean, we've gone through, granted, maybe not as many salespeople as we should have, and we should have been quicker to fire and, and, you know, um, slower to hire or whatever it is, but probably been too slow to hire, to be honest. Um, we should have gone through more. Um, but, uh, I think it's just, it's just been hard for us to find good people. Um, yeah. Well, I think that that's the key. That is the key. Finding the right people, putting them in the right seat and, and, and also leading them along the way. You can't just stick somebody in there and just expect no. them to get where you want them to go without, right. Right. without help. Exactly. So, Exactly. That's, that's the difference. And that's yeah. what I've seen. And in fact, that's what I'm going to talk about at Flip Hacking Live is yeah. you know, we got a presentation set up, Nate and I, on how, how do you find the right teammate member? How do, okay. you, how do you do that? Like, what does it look like? And how, we made it extra, we made a million dollars more in gross profit last year from year over year with the same number of transactions, just with a different team. 
Right. And that's, that's a game changer when you can do something like that. Right. I mean, even for us from quarter one, um, not even quarter one last year to, to our last couple quarters. I mean, we have been consistently upping the amount of money we're making per deal. So even though we may not have hit that 80,000 mark, we are still doing more or, or making as much money as we kind of may have wanted to have made by the end of the year, simply because we're just making more per deal, you know? Um, and we are getting more efficient. We only have two people, but they're, they're, they're doing fantastic. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think the last thing I think that I kind of wanted to ask you and you, you mentioned and touched on this earlier was mindset. So what in your mind would you say, like, what is your mindset change that happened from when you first started to sort of where you are now um, that kind of helped you sort of switch every gear? Because there's different gears. You get to a place where you struggle, you hit that plateau, and then you got to pass over that. How do you, how do you, how do, you do that? And, and clearly, I think one of your biggest qualities is that you're just quick to act and you always you know, self-correct. Yeah. So the mindset piece, I think in the beginning, it was, a. am not, I'm not necessarily sure if this, I, I was always confident in myself. Like I know that I, I, I believe in myself. So I always will invest in myself. I will, um, if there's a challenge, I'm up for it. I always want it. I'm, I'm like, I just, I kind of want the ball all the time, right? If it's the fourth quarter or the end of the game, I want the ball, give me the ball. So that, that's, that side of things didn't need work. I never had to work on that. And I think a lot of people do have to work on that. They're, they're not ready. They don't want to be the, the clutch player. They don't want to step up all the time. And, and so you got to work there on, you know, making sure that you are taking action. Because I see a lot of people, they won't take action because they're afraid of the next step and where they need to go and the result that's that, like, it's going to take me out of my comfort zone. So this definitely took me out of my comfort zone in a different area though. Like I hate, I don't like talking on the phone. I don't really like, I'm not the most social person, believe it or not. I really don't. I'm a kind of this closet introvert. Believe, uh, if you've seen me at an event or see me on stage or something like that, you might not believe it. But at the end of the night, when I go up to my room, I'm really like, I'm, my, my batteries are on empty. Yeah. I'm yeah. drained. I can do it, but it drains, it drains me a lot. Um, and I'm more of a numbers guy. I'm more of a spreadsheet guy. I like to sit at the computer and do that kind of stuff. So for me, this took me out of my comfort zone there. So my mindset was of, of this, you know, I, I know that I can do it, but I'm just not sure if my market is the right place or is this, is this the right thing for me? Or, you know, I saw everybody else doing it and said, the, the good thing is I knew that if, if that person can do it, I can do it. Like I know that if, if they can do it, I, I'm, I'm just as smart. I'm just as educated. I have, uh, I have, uh, some, some of the skills and these are all transferable skills so I can do it for me. I think the biggest thing was that, that proof, like I'm a very data driven person. So it, after four and a half months of not getting a deal and spending money, like money was going out on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I started to doubt there's a lot of self doubt that came there. This is kind of like, I'm not, I was never the person who was standing up in the RIA saying I'm a new wholesaler sign up on my list when I didn't have a deal. Right. You know, I, I'm the guy who says, Hey, I got a deal. If anybody wants to come look at it, here it is. And now maybe let me wholesale my first deal, then call myself a wholesaler. So just that kind of, for me, it was more like, I don't know, walk, walk the, walk the talk. Right. So I, uh, I think that mindset shift for me in the beginning was just realizing that it's possible. Like, I think, I really think the difference between somebody who's done zero deals and one deal is the biggest step possible in this business. Because right. the person who's done one deal or a hundred, it's all the same. It's just different styles, different strategy, different things that happen. That first deal, getting that deal is probably the thing to be celebrated the most in this business because you learn so much from doing than you do from talking or reading or any of that stuff, getting on these forums right. and, and talking about it, doing that first deal gets you that credibility, that experience. So that was the real shift for me. I feel like I felt like an imposter a little bit in the beginning. I felt like, uh, I, maybe this isn't right for me after four months. Uh, maybe I'm not the right, right person. Like we're, cause it's the small steps and progress that happen that you don't see. So I think I mentioned it recently, The Compound Effect with Darren Hardy is one of my favorite books of all times. It's these tiny, small little actions that can produce major results when done consistently over time. And I, I absolutely love that concept because that's what I was doing. You're just sitting there 
doing these small, insignificant tasks, like you said, like we're just, just consistently in the grind. We're just, yeah. we're just taking care of stuff and it just doesn't seem like we're making progress until we get this $10,000 check in this business. It's like this big result, right? You're, you're spending money. Like I had these systems that were $30 a month and $60 a month and $80 a month and DD's getting paid and the right. marketing's going out. Right. And I'm sitting here as the business owner and, and the analytical person, like you said, counting the money and nothing's coming back in. And then boom, $10,000 comes in and then another right. 10,000 for the whole like two months. They're like, wow. Yeah. And then 40,000 and then 50,000. And now I'm, I'm starting to say my mindset is changing to, okay, we just did one. We just did two. We just did three. Okay. It's possible. And then we're going up to five a month and then seven a month. And now it's kind of fun. And it becomes this, this, uh, almost like this game for me, the way that I think of things is numbers and, and challenges and what's the next benchmark that I'm going to set. And we always are going to set a higher benchmark. We're never going to be satisfied with what we're doing. So interesting you say that because sitting in here, listening and having this conversation with you and actually processing what I just said and what you mentioned earlier that we're doing 60, 70 deals this year. I mean, we were sitting at seven figure or we were sitting at flip hacking two years ago or three years ago, 2007. Yeah, two, yeah, two events ago, two years two, ago. Yeah, two events ago, you know, listening to you talk and I was like, wow, 70 deals. Like that was just like, uh, wow. Like, and to know that we're already here two years later, maybe not as fast as I would have liked, but you know, you did it in a year. I mean, we're doing it in two years, but just the fact that it is possible and it's kind of like, okay, like how quickly can you learn? And I guess it's what people want out of it, right? Some people are like happy with that and that they'll be fine just having three, four people, keeping that, money's coming in, no problem, you know? But looking at you, I think you took that confidence year after year after year and just, I mean, every time I see you, you're doing something interesting and cool with your business and, and you've got a new market and you've got Nate and you've got new people. And like you mentioned, when Nate came on board and, you know, stuff changed and you kind of had to take, you know, a couple steps back to now look at, you know, fast forward to like three quarters later, your, I mean, business has never been better, right? For you. Yeah. I'll, you know, I feel like we, we get to this point, we have a goal, right? When we reach our goal, what do you do? Do you set another goal? Is it a higher goal? Right. Is it, is it, do you just stay there and you're happy there? And I think the people that are, I think you can be driven and be happy with where you are. Yeah. But the, most of the people in, that are, that are in this business for growth and performance and it, you know, they're, they really like reaching goals. We're always going to go to the next one. One further. Yeah. What's next? What's next? Yeah. What's yeah. what's after that? And right. that's, I, I mean, it's, it's life. Like that's what, that's what we're designed to do as people like, okay, I'm crawling. Now I'm going to get up and walk and now I'm going to run and now I'm going to start riding bikes and I'm going to start running di distances. I'm going to start climbing mountains and I'm going to do all these things in my life to get these experiences. And it takes everybody a different path. Like, like you said, not everybody wants to do hundreds right. of deals and that's fine. Right. Like, and in fact, it's fine in our group. We're not a group that's, no. that's, oh, you have to do $10 million a year. Or you have to do thousands of deals. I'll tell you what, when I was sitting in my meeting those two days, my staff is the one that's driving this desire to grow. You know, I, Hey, I'm, I, I love, I love to grow and I love another challenge, but I work in that business two, three hours a week. They work in there full time and they want more. They want right. to grow. They want to figure out what the next market is now. They want to drive into, they want to hit new goals for themselves. They're setting the goals for the company on a weekly and quarterly basis for them. They're picking their own rocks. They're picking their scorecard. They're figuring out how their business and or their their business inside my business runs like their department. Right. So I, I think That's like you, you mentioned something that I want to, that I don't want to gloss over is we never look in our rear view mirror. Like you guys are not looking in your rear view mirror. It, now we're talking about it here. So you're, you're reflecting on it and you're right, thinking like right. we went from eight to 40 to 70 or whatever it is. And when we look back in the rearview mirror of, uh, of how far we've come and the things that we've made and the differences we've made, if you listen to a, a podcast that I, like the first ever podcast that I did, you'd be shocked at the way that you're talking about mindset, like the way that I think and the way that I operate now compared to that, it's, it's 
days, it's years different. It's, it's light years different. I feel like the personal growth that I've gotten over these past four years as a business owner is more than I could have ever imagined in a lifetime. And it's because we are doing the things, we're getting involved with people, we're leading people, we're managing people, we're hiring, we're training, we're developing talent in other human beings. Yeah. It's like the most incredible thing. And it's also, it's really addictive. So be careful. And we have tough times. Everything's not perfect. I've had plenty of people quit at the wrong time. I've had to let people go. I've had some very discouraging times. It's on a regular basis that that happens. This is not all rainbows and butterflies and perfection when it comes to me or my business or anybody's business that comes on this podcast. We all have major significant challenges, which I know that you guys go through. I know that, that my company goes through and we're going to share it on here too. So I'm not trying to hide any of that, but we are... We just never look at how far we've come. And that's just going back to that zero and one deal person. That person doesn't feel a huge difference at that time. But looking back, that is the catalyst right. that changes your business and your life forever. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first wholesale deal. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the guy. You're like, wow, this works. Oh, yeah spark and then you just want to do it again and again and again and again and it's like yeah you face these like hurdles along the way but you know at, at the core essence of the process it works so you know you could ramp it up as quickly as you wanted to which is like what you did and then some people decide I don't want to ramp it beyond this I want to maybe do some flipping I want to have some rentals you know people have different kinds of strategies I mean that's the beauty of our group is you talk to different people and I mean, everyone's not doing a hundred deals a month or, or I mean, a hundred deals a year, you know, some people are doing, they have a, a very diverse portfolio of, of what they're doing. And I remember, I mean, that's something Kirsch and I have always talked about is what is our focus, you know, and we've talked to you about it. I mean, we've had some great deals where I think we called you one time and we're like, Bill, should we keep this and flip it? Or, mm -hmm. you know, God, we're going to make this much money if we, if we don't flip it, but then we're going to make this much if we do flip it. Bottom line is we didn't take your advice. We flipped it and that shit is still haunting us right now. <laughs> that one deal. But um, always nice to get an I told you so. Understanding that I think like when you go in like thinking that, okay, well, I find the deals I could fix it and flip it. But it's like such different businesses, you know, that that if you want to be diverse and you want to have fun that way and that's your goal, then great. But if your goal is like you said, year one was make money year two was make time. You can't throw in extra things into the pot and think that you're going to be able to juggle everything smoothly. You know? yeah, I've been there. Focus, focus is the hardest thing for us because most of us are, like I said, driven people. We kind of want to get to the next summit and we're deal junkies. Yeah. So when you, you say I can make 40,000 wholesaling it or 60,000, putting it on that, just buying it, putting it on the MLS or $80,000 potentially if I flip it and fix it up and do all this work, right. you know, you're going to make different decision, you know? Right. And I know when we talked, I, my answer was, what's the best thing for your business right now? Sure. Do you need the money? I think for that property, we, we did, we did wholesale it, but then there was another one we got ourselves. It was too tempting. And <laughs> we still made, we still made 40 K on the flip, but it, it, we could have done that in like, less than two wholesale deals. So. Yeah, and maybe you, you were taking a lot of time to do it. So you could have spent oh, less yeah. time doing that. You yeah. could have spent more time looking for that next person to hire and train and, and lead uh, to, to get to the next level. And who knows, maybe instead of doing 70 this year, you'd be doing 80. So it's little decisions that we make that think are so insignificant that don't affect us that actually do because it's a domino effect down the road. Right. So, but look, that's, we don't have crystal that's, balls. Yeah. That's part of your process. It's part right. of your path. It's part of your journey. Right. So you learn from it. You won't make the same mistake again. And move on. I mean, I think Bill, I think you pretty much answered all our questions. I mean, uh, I guess my last thing is, you know, for you in particular, what qualities, um, do you think sort of helped you get to where you're at now? I think the number one thing is, is really trying to figure out how to lead and inspire people. If you can do that, because I, t I go back to that, that first meeting at Denny's that I was talking about. And even before that, Didi and I's like kind of chance meeting and getting together, you really have to cast a vision before there is a vision for the company when you're small, right? You're a startup, you're this, um, you're an idea, 
you, you don't have a lot of proven. So a lot of people are probably listening to this going, I've done like two deals. I can't hire it. I don't have enough consistent leads to hire an acquisition yeah. reps. Neither right. did I, I didn't really didn't have like a ton of leads. And, but she was able to jump in my database and pull out a bunch of stuff and go create something out of nothing almost. So, and, and frankly, what I did was I leveraged the group. I talked about all the other people and what they were doing, the seven figure group. And I said, I got, you know, I'm in this group. I have access to these people who are doing like this many deals. I want to build a business just like theirs. And I think you could fit in here really well. And here's, here's where I, here's what I think we can do. You know, it's my job to figure out how to get you eight to 10 appointments a week, somewhere around there. Cause that's the average for them. They're closing this many. She's like, if you get me into eight houses, I'll buy like, I'll buy a house or two every week. So well, if you buy a house or two every week, we'll be just fine. And this is what it'll look like for you. And then we can go here and we can go here. And so I think that kind of vision and leadership and being able to kind of cast a vision for somebody and motivate them to say yes and come along with you. Because if you're going to hire before you're ready, you have to have that. Without right. that, like, uh, no, people, you know, they really follow the, you got to get people to follow you along the, along the way, along this journey. So that's, that was the biggest thing. I, I think, I think, I think the military helped me with that. I think, you know, I think my dad helped me with that a ton when I was little. And what a, what a goal shift. I don't think you would have ever said this when you first started, but this is what my goal is to hire and, and inspire people. That's it. If you can do that, if you can do that, then you'll hit the numbers. Like if you, if all you do is try to force 80 deals, yeah, it's, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, our, our core vision and core focus and core mission and all those things that it's, it's really about, you know, training and developing people. That's what it is. It gets, when we do that, we'll hit the $10 million goal that we have. We'll hit the $100 million goal that we have. We'll hit the 50, we, you know, we'll hit those numbers when we do, you know, we're brilliant at the basics and we have the right people and right. we have operationally sound and that's it. Like, I don't know. I think, I think that's it. I think that's the quality. And then obviously the fast action, like you've got to, you gotta I mean, you really simplified it. I mean, I think that that really in essence answers it. I mean, I think once you have that right foundation, which clearly, you know, uh, as you start growing and you start getting more deals, you're going to have to tweak some stuff and fix a few processes here and there. But in all in all, I think at this point, us doing 70 deals, we do have a process. We have a process. It is laid out. Yes, things happen. We just need to have the right support system to be able to handle that to give us more time if we decide we want to continue to grow, right? Like you said, there's only so many deals you can do just being two people, you know? So, oh yeah. Yeah. You hit your limit pretty fast. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, so you're going to go to this, you're going to go to this today, you and your brother, you're going to lock yourselves in a room. It sounds like it's around Thanksgiving. It's in November. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you feel like you have what you need to work on your business for those two days? Yeah. I mean, I think our, I think the key phrase that I, that I've learned from today, honestly, was hire and inspire. I mean, hire and train and lead. I mean, that, that really comes down to it. Right. And I think part of that for us is, um, and that is, I mean, we do have goals that we've already created um, for the positions that we're trying to bring, which is creating that process and laid out that system and process for the people that are coming on board. So you know exactly, you know, what they're going to be doing, what you're going to be doing and how that affects the rest of the team, you know, so we're going to probably sit and, and create some of, not create, but sort of tighten up some of that system and process that we already have in place. We've already got manuals for each position. I think we just got to really just kind of go through that and say, okay, does this still make sense? Because when we bring someone on, this is exactly what they're going to be responsible for doing. Yep. And the, the biggest kind of eye opener for me too, if you guys are going into that meeting is creating an accountability chart, like really we have, we have it's where awesome. Cause that's, yeah, that's the biggest that. thing. Then in, inside of that, there the different hats, like, you know, who's right now handling what, um, but I think it's specifically, you know, we have brought people on, we do have manuals for it, but they're, they're not fully updated because things have changed. Processes have changed, you know? Yep. So we just got to tighten that up basically. All right. So you know where you're going, you know how yeah. to get there. Now you, all you got to do is let the rubber hit the road, right? Yeah. Take the actions, find the right people, hiring, training, and getting them set up and running and not overextending yourself. Right. So, and watching the finances and the budget. So we're going to talk about that at Flip Hacking Live. I think, I think that we can get this 
uh, podcast out before Flip Hacking Live. So it might be just like a couple days before. It might be you know, right at it. I'm not sure. So if it's after it, I apologize. You guys missed the boat. But if it's before, you'll still have time to get tickets. And if it's after it, then you're just gonna have to buy tickets for 2020, which is gonna be awesome too. But we've got, uh, speaking of leadership, we've got Jocko Willing coming in, talking, doing a keynote for us on leadership. And selfishly, I want to develop my leadership skills further. I'm going to bring my management staff to Flip Hacking Live. I want to develop their management skills and leadership skills. So selfishly, I hired him because I think he is the best at leadership out there right now. And a lot of what I've learned and what I've implemented have been from his book, Extreme Ownership. So I'll be talking about some hiring training and, and my people are going to come up. They're going to talk about some of the stuff that they do. Um, Kush and Karush, they're going to come up on stage for a little bit and talk, uh, whether they know it or not. Now they do. We so, do. Good, good. So, so I think it's going to be a phenomenal event. It's going to be really exciting in San Diego. It's coming up. I'm getting on a plane in two days. I cannot wait to be out there. And it's, it's 95 degrees here in Nashville in, on October 3rd right now. So I thought that it was going to be cold here in Nashville. I was going to be going to San Diego to warm up. Now I'm excited to go to San Diego because I want to cool down in right. October, which is crazy. So um, we're like sweating, putting up Halloween decorations yesterday. So, um, all right guys, if you haven't got your tickets yet, this is like last chance, last chance, fliphackinglive.com. If there's any left, there will be an available spot for you to click and buy one. And, uh, hopefully we see you guys out there in San Diego. And if not, I really appreciate you guys following in the podcast. Uh, I just encourage you guys to like it, share it, leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you guys get the podcast. That means more to me than anything is just like really just listening to us, getting value from it, and then sharing. I've, I've gotten so many incredible emails and text messages and Facebook messages from people who have been getting a lot from what we've been putting out there. So hopefully there was something here that resonated with you. I know that we talked really high level to some people who are doing bigger volume deals, but hopefully we were able to also kind of project that down to the people who are just getting going or starting. Um, and that's what Flip Hacking Live is. It's anybody from never done a deal, just interested in real estate, all the way to people who are making millions of dollars right now. Um, so much value, so much content. I mean, that's, I think what loved me, the, like loved us in joining the group is that everyone was just so open to share. I mean, people are talking about actual deals and things that are going on in their business. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. We, I mean, I use the, uh, the phrase like open the kimono in the military. We talk about a lot of times is, you know, we don't hide anything. It's just whatever you guys need, you should be able to leave every single one of those presentations, being able to implement exactly what they're doing in yeah. your, in your business, in your city. And some of the people on stage that are sharing that are going to be in your market. Like they're opening to share that and they're in the same market as you. So it's just some incredible people that we have really kind of down to earth, great people. So it's an awesome community. So, uh, Kush, I always have to like think, your brother's name is Karush. Your name is Kush. I'm like, I got to think about it for a second. So Kush, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for interviewing me. I actually had a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what you were going to ask me. So I was got a little bit nervous. Uh, what is she going to ask me about? So um, I, I'm, I'm glad that we got to do this and I'm glad that we shared it uh, like kind of outside of just me and you yeah. getting a phone call because I, I think it was, uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, so, and I learned a couple thank things you, about Bill. me. I took a lot of notes. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So uh, I'll see you guys in, I don't know, just a couple days, like three or four days. Yeah, we'll can't wait to see you. And uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Again, fliphackinglive.com. Go grab your tickets. I'll see you guys later. Okay, we just got finished the podcast with Kush. And what I realized was we just got done this two-day event and her and I kind of hopped off and started talking a little bit. And we were like, she's asking a couple more questions that she didn't ask on the air. And I, what I wanted to share with her was this, the two-day session that we had in uh, when we locked ourselves in the room and we worked on the business. And what I finally was able to come up with is my th three-year picture for the company. And when we're hiring people and we're casting the vision for them, what we do is at the end of the interview, we've, we've discussed it with them. It seems like they might be the right fit. Uh, the goal of this to use this three-year picture and everybody on the team who's interviewing somebody can use this to see if they're the right fit. And what we do is we talk about our core values. We say, our, you know, we have some very specific core values that we live by here in the company. It's, it's ownership, it's um, stewardship, it's hardworking, it's integrity, and it's personal professional development. Can you see yourself fitting into with those core values? And then they'll either lean into those or lean out from those. And they'll say something like, oh, absolutely. I live my life by that. And it's, we're already at the point where in the interview, we've heard that stuff and we felt that stuff and um, we know it. And so we, we kind of look at their reaction. And then, and then 
basically we go like, it goes like this. So, uh, Kush, I, I don't ask somebody that we're interviewing to close their eyes, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and try to imagine this. And everybody that's listening, if you're driving, do not close your eyes. Okay. Keep driving, keep your eyes on the road. But if you're at a place, just close your eyes and try to picture yourself on this Island. Okay. You're on an Island. It's December 31st, 2022. And we just finished the year with a gross profit of $10 million at a 25% profit margin. We're doing $1 million per market. We have 35 people and all of the people are the right people in the right seats. We're an EOS black belt at 90% strong in all key components. We have a world-class sales team that follows the blackjack sales process. We have an innovative 30-day new market expansion blueprint. We have the top market reputation and a five-star client experience. We have two new verticals that we launched just this year. We have an inbound and outbound call center. Our Blackjack Gives Back program gave away five houses to Gold Star families this year. Our central headquarters was the location for the quarterly events we had, and we had one annual offsite team building training uh, retreat this year. We embrace an employee first culture. We monetize every lead. Our operations department is systemized and extremely scalable, and we have unlimited investment funds. Kush, can you see yourself in this position in this company? Absolutely. So that is what we Absolutely. want to project a vision for people that come on board because they're not just interviewing, like we're not just interviewing them, they're interviewing us, yeah. right? So this is a place that we want them to see three years from now. If because they can fit into that, into that yeah. vision. Yeah. yeah. Can you see yeah. it? Is it something that you can actually see? So I could never see this vision ever. Like, we would make these three-year pictures, these 10-year pictures, these things, and it didn't have any of that stuff. It was just like, it, it di didn't tell a story. It wasn't a movie. Like, this is a movie. This is a movie that I want to watch. This is a movie I want to be a part of. I want to star in this movie. And that is what I came out of these two days, just knocked on my tail. Like, it was just incredible to have that. And that's just our three. We have a one-year, we have a three-year, and we have a seven-year. So before this, I said, I can't even think past two years. Like as, as the owner, like I'm, I'm focused on what are we going to do next year? That my one year was always easy. My three year and seven year really hard. Now as an employee, when you come in to a company, you want to ha have a seven year or oh, 10 year. Yeah. yeah. You want to see where's this company going? Where do I see myself fitting in this company? If the owner goes, uh, well, I really can't see past two years. This could be a totally different company. It's probably going to look very different. This should have different staff, different seats. All, like, I don't know. We might even be doing something totally different. I might be out of business. You know, it's, it's a totally different Period. vision yeah. that you're yeah. projecting for that staff member that's coming in. When you can do something like this, put it on paper, structure it out, like that is a game changer. That's how you hire the right people. That's how you cast the vision. And that's how you lead them into the next level of where they're going to go. So, Okay. okay. Real quick, that was just a quick add-on to the podcast. So hopefully you guys stuck around after the end. You listen to that. Uh, I'd love your feedback. I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. I'd love to, I'd love to hear if you guys could see yourself on that island. And um, please, like uh, right now, the, uh, the company's full. So the island's full right now, but we will be hiring soon. So if anybody hears that, it's like, I want a position, then I don't know, reach out to us somehow too. So, um, all right, Kush, that was it. For people too. So look for us. We're yeah. If you're in Tampa, Tampa, reach out to Kush and Karush. And if that vision sounds cool and that's what you want, that's it. That's it. So I don't know, jump on board with them, jump on, board. So find somebody that you can see the vision and ca you got to cast the vision. That's, that's our job. We're the visionaries. All right. Uh, okay. Final farewell. That's it. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the House Flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Flip Hacking Live to see our guests live on stage sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.